Morning, great to be with you this morning and I'm very, very grateful to have this opportunity to share something with you from God's Word today. The passage of scripture I want to share is Psalm 1. There's just six verses in this psalm and the reason I want to share it with you today is because as we work through what is now a new phase of our responses to the COVID-19 pandemic, it's this psalm, this part of scripture, which for me personally has the most profound and deepest impact in my life throughout this period since March when we went first of all down into lockdown. Here it is. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. In particular, I'd like to focus my thoughts and hopefully your thoughts, your heart and your mind on that verse 3, where it says this, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Well, something I've thought and prayed much about is the fact that for me, I often find my focus, my attention is upon the fruit. Whereas what this psalm has been speaking to me is that my focus needs to be on the roots. Now, by way of an introduction and before we get into the heart of this word, this verse, sorry, um, I'd like to share with you. A decision my wife Maggie and I had made recently when we were down on holiday in Cornwall during August. Now time will tell whether this was a wise or a foolish decision. We visited what is the southernmost uh, plant nursery in England and we came away. We bought a lemon tree. Well, welcome to our patio. I thought it's best to actually try and show you our lemon tree. Here it is. As you can see, hopefully you can see my fruit. Uh, really proud of these. I mean, admittedly, they are green at the moment. We're just hoping and praying that one day they might turn yellow. Um, I really hope so, because there doesn't seem much point to me in buying a lemon tree unless you can produce lemons. Big challenge, big question is, will it survive uh, the winter here in the UK? I'm told, my research tells me anyway, that this particular variety will tolerate temperatures down to minus five. So I'm going to be watching the temperature gauge uh, through the winter. When it starts to get down towards that, I'm, I know I need to give it some added protection. Um, one problem is I don't have a greenhouse, so I'm going to have to sort of work out how best to do that. It likes to be cool over the winter, so they can't bring it into the central heating. Uh, and the problem is if it gets too cool or uh, too cold or it doesn't get the conditions it needs through our winter, then the leaves will begin to drop. So opposite to Psalm 1, where the 
uh, leaves never wither. The leaves begin to drop. If you don't get the leaves, you don't get the flowers. If you don't get the flowers, you don't get the fruit. Now, I know this is going to be a challenge because it's not in its natural environment um, here in the UK. But I'm willing to take that challenge because I believe that I can provide it with the en environment it needs. And that means paying attention to what soil it's in, making sure that it gets the right nourishment through feeding it, make sure it gets sufficient light and making sure it gets it's in the right temperature as much as it is at all possible. One particular variety, it's not this one, is nicknamed Four Seasons because it can fruit in any of our Four Seasons. But that's how it is in their natural environment. And of course Psalm 1 pictures you and I, something like this lemon tree, isn't it? it produces fruit in its season. And as far as God's concerned, it's not a season that we produce fruit in when everything is simply going well, but we're called to produce the fruit of God in crisis, in uncertainty, in the midst of darkness. We're called to reveal and shine the light of Jesus. Well, I hope you uh, enjoyed the sight of our lemon tree. Uh, and I know enough about gardening in the UK to know that this is going to be a very real challenge. Now, I knew that when I bought it, and as I'd already been dwelling in Psalm 1, the practicalities of just thinking through what it means to tend to a lemon tree have been so very useful. It's definitely not a plant you can think of simply buying and letting it take its course any more than we, having become Christians, having come to know the reality of Jesus in our lives, can then just ignore all that he provides to enable our nutrition, our maturing, our growing, and ultimately our fruitfulness. Back in March, when we first went into lockdown, I lost count of the number of times uh, I thought or I shared with an individual or a team uh, something that I'd been aware of for many years, and that is that character is not produced by a crisis, but it is revealed for what it is. Now, I believe that to be true for a long, long time, and our experience this year has borne it out, and certainly my experience has borne it out. So when in the summer, uh, gripped by Psalm 1, um, inevitably this led to plenty of self-examination. I admit the biggest challenge I found in preparing this for you is what to leave out. 20 sim minutes seems about the most most people in churches are prepared to listen to in one go on Zoom. So I've tried to hone my reflections, thinking uh, my notes so to be uh, most helpful with you. But this is the fundamental question I want to pass on to you. I'm talking now about me uh, and hopefully yourself will be able to identify and resonate with what I say rather than the lemon tree. Question is, how do I pay attention to nourishing my roots in order to cultivate as much fruit as is possible? What I want is fruit. Fruitfulness in my life's experience, fruitfulness in how others treat me too, if I'm honest, because what I look for in other people's lives that benefit me is fruit, and fruitfulness in my relationships with others, but supremely in relationship with God. What I want are those things, what I need, as I've already said, are roots.
Do you want to be blessed by God? I want to be blessed. And this is how Psalm 1 begins. Blessed is the one. And many people think this psalm is a template. It's, I tend to think of it as kind of a compass bearing, pointing due north for the rest of the book of the Psalms. But here's my first point, and it's this. Who I am today is who people will see me as tomorrow. To actually pick fruit is to experience realised expectation. Last week I spent a few minutes on several days picking raspberries uh, from the bushes in my garden. It's such a great feeling, isn't it, to pick and to eat fresh fruit. I like to pick them. My wife Maggie, she tends to eat as many as she can as she picks, so I like to pick them to enable more and more to get on my dish. But that's how it is with ripe fruit, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's there not simply to pick, but also to eat. That's why we grow it, but we can't grow it in a day. Neither can we produce mature and wholesome character in a day. Whilst we want the fruit, what we need and can, can attend to today, though, is our roots. My choices today will be revealed for what they have been tomorrow or the day after or maybe a long time in the future. But sure as anything, they will be revealed. And this resonates, doesn't it, with the nature of God's way of relating to us as individuals, as human beings, as people in terms of our relationship with sin. The promise of God is, of course, if we uncover our sin today, that is, if we confess and seek God's forgiveness for it, then he will choose to cover it. He will forgive it, cleanse us from it and remove it from us forever. If, on the other hand, I choose to try and attempt to cover over my sin, to deny it, to pretend that it doesn't exist, etc., etc., whatever excuses I come up with, one day it will be revealed for what it is in the fullness of time. It also resonates as disciples of Jesus Christ. Romans 12 talks about this transformation, or he talks about it as transformation, that we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind, transformation into the likeness of Jesus. How does that happen? The single most significant mechanism is our cooperation with the Word of God, the Bible. And that's exactly what Psalm 1 is telling us in verse 1. Blessed is the one, verse 2, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. There's two words here that have challenged me, uh, not that whether I understand them so much as to the extent to which I practice them. And I want to share them with you today. They're those words delight and to meditate. Well, both of these words have been teaching me what I need to do today and indeed every day if my life is to be fruitful. Each of these words have both been teaching me what I need to do today and indeed every day if my life is to be truly fruitful. Both are concerned with the law of the Lord, as the psalmist puts it in our terms of the Bible. It may be important for me to remind ourselves or remind you as well, we're talking about the Bible as a whole 
and the whole of it. And that's important because when we talk about meditating, as we will for a moment or two, we can only do that one piece, one small piece at a time. Meditating uh, as it's focused on daily nourishment, just as I might appreciate all foods, then I only need one meal at a time. Since the pandemic hit, I believe the single biggest element the virus has highlighted in the UK church is in actual fact, sadly, the shallowness with which we are relating to scripture, to the Bible, to the word of God. Too many of us within the church have almost entirely delegated our responsibility for opening our Bibles to someone else. We don't open them sufficiently between Sundays. We leave it to a minister or someone at the front of our church building. Even if we do uh, that, even if we do open them, frequently we only get as far as reading it. Reading that passage, it's kind of, oh, I've read that today, I'm on to the next thing. But meditating, that word brings in and highlights a whole new dimension. It's rather like the difference between 2D and 3D. The difference between, as if you like, meeting virtually in this way in 2D as opposed to meeting in the flesh, uh, physically, in 3D. You can't really compare the two. How often do I only go as far as listening? Sometimes I, I hear someone speak the word of God. I sense on a Sunday morning, perhaps, that, you know, that's God speaking to me. But by the time I've gone home, had lunch, picked a few raspberries in the garden, maybe, or watched the football or whatever it is, I've accumulated at least five reasons or excuses why I won't take that any further. Forgotten, not up to it, someone else can do it, someone else could do it better, just don't have time. Well, if this resonates with you, I'd like to direct you towards the discipleship cycle. Um, look on our 72 uh, network website, please. We talk about four phases there. I'm just coming to the end of uh, four little video recordings for the fuel cast. You'll find them uh, it itemized there that deals with the four phases of the discipleship cycle. We listen, that's where we start, but that's not where we're intended to finish. Then we look and see where God wants us to apply or to plant the seed of his word. Uh, then we have to do something about it. If it's the word of God to me, I need to obey it. I need to live it out. And then at some point in the future, I need to learn and embody and take on board fully what God's been showing me and what I've done as a result of his word. Well, sometimes reading scripture uh, becomes a routine. I'm speaking for myself. Sometimes it becomes almost just purely a ritual. Sometimes I've neglected it. Sometimes I've just ticked the boxes and sort of I've done it and packed it away. But since using the discipleship cycle for myself in recent years, I can honestly say that it's not just been a question of meditating, as the psalmist calls us, calls us, calls us to do, but also the reality of delighting. As I meditate on scripture, I sense the rootedness it gives to my life. I dwell in the riches it provides. I receive the grace it points me towards. It's no longer a chore, but a source and a genuine source of nourishment. And just you can almost sense that maturing process as my roots get deeper into God. Now, let me move on. Let me make another point now, and it's this. What I, or for you, uh, or you for that matter, what I choose today 
will be revealed in who I am tomorrow. Now the astute among you will spot immediately the previous point is about how my being impacts my doing, whereas to this is uh, this point is really the other way round. And the Bible recognising both are crucial for our maturity. Verse 1 again, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. All physical postures or actions, but whose delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. One each leads to the other. This is about me choosing the way of blessing today, deliberately pursuing it intentionally. I make, we all make, a myriad of daily choices. This is about being distinctly Christ-like and for Christ in our daily choices, our daily practices and habits. It's a recognition of what Jesus says when he says, it's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks, for our heart is revealed by our actions, our attitudes and our words. Now just note in passing, this psalm is not at all PC. This wouldn't get on the agenda of the city council or any other local government office. Neither is it aligned with current educational learning fashion. It begins with a negative or more particularly three negatives. Now I need to ask you, does the word no feature in your life? Because in all honesty, an absence of the word no is evident wherever we look in people's lives today. The inability to say no and not provide boundaries for children or for the living uh, uh, of good and consistent and wholesome lives for themselves. It does here. Do not walk in step with the wicked. Say no to that. Do not stand in the way that sinners take. Say no to that. Do not sit in the company of mockers. Say no to those things. Reminded me of a little book. I dug it out. It's just 72 pages, actually. It's been on my bookshelf for years and years uh, by Watchman Nee, uh, uh, a very uh, well-known uh, Chinese uh, pastor who was imprisoned for many years and persecuted for his faith in Jesus. He wrote a little book called Sit, Walk, Stand. And alongside those negatives, he puts the positives that he finds as three key words in Ephesians. Our position in Christ, he talks about that as a sit, as it says in chapter 2, verse 6 of Ephesians. He talks about our life in the world and how we must walk in Christ, verse 1 of chapter 4. And he talks about our need to stand, stand firm, chapter 6, verse 11, our attitude to the enemy. The problem this psalm presents me and you and all of us today is that it is not ripe for contemporary culture. There is no middle ground. There are no grey areas. Whereas if we're honest, very often, don't we, I try to live in the middle, live in the grey. Life here in the psalm, Psalm 1, is a sharp either or. There's a clear boundary, right or wrong good or bad. Either to be a happy person who enjoys Torah, the law of God, obedience and avoids alternative enterprises as verses 1 and 2 speak about, or be like the wicked uh, uh, 
who refuse such delight as in verse 4. Either be a luxuriant tree with plenty of nourishment, verse 3, or chaff which disappears, verse 4. Life consists of choices which are not obscure. Look up Deuteronomy chapter 30. To be honest, I'd love time to unpack the detail of these three injunctions, but there really is not enough time, believe me. My best advice at this point is the Nike advice, their slogan, isn't it? Just do it. Just do it. Just choose what you know to be right. And so just to round up and to finish off, my blessing, my prosperity, that's a word that's hinted at here, isn't it? And my delight today are worth celebrating to the extent they are produced by the never-ending stream. Before we finish, I want to simply return to the overwhelming thrust of this psalm, which sets the compass for the whole book of psalms on pursuing God. This is the overwhelming positive. This is about maturity. This is about fruitfulness. This is about nourishment that is life-giving and life-sharing. And I believe we need to celebrate that fact. I think we need to be less coy about celebrating the goodness of God that we experience and the God in whom we are in relationship with because he calls each of us to be those fruitful evergreen trees. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. What a wonderful thing. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Well, let them go down that way. But sit, dwell in the Lord watching over you. I don't know, just to finish up with, where you stand on Facebook. Well, <laughs> I'm not a great fan, but I am on it. My wife Maggie isn't. And if I'm honest, I hardly tend to look at it at it and I'm very unsure about posting very much and I never post pictures of what I've had for tea or any of that banal information but last weekend was our 40th wedding anniversary what is described as a ruby wedding and to be honest I struggled for a while about the idea of announcing it um, certainly on Facebook. Maggie my wife and I would say that we have been blessed beyond description throughout those 40 years uh, and just as I've always reacted against those kind of Christmas letters now replaced by social media, which present people's lives as photoshopped images of perfect people, relationships and daily life. So I was reluctant to say, hey, guys, we've been married for 40 years and we love each other still and we're going strong and we're delighted about it. Sometimes, if I'm honest, in Christian circles included, I, I feel I'm being made to apologise almost for being male, for being white, for being married, for being a father, for being middle-aged, for practically everything about me. But do you know what? Some things need to be celebrated, even though many people don't ex experience the same thing. I think some of my nervousness is, is if I speak about my relationship my, with my children in such a positive light, people who can't have children will be disappointed. In, and so it is and so forth. But remember this, fruit is for the eating and the world is full of people who need to taste and see how good the Lord is. The greatest hope people in your network of relationships have of tasting the fruit this week is in your life if you will but share your life in God a little with them and may the Lord bless you not just this day 
but in the week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.